It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. This is Ed Huglin, your host for this evening, along with me, Dr. Lehman Yen. And tonight, we're going to talk about the new methodology of war games and China's unrestricted war against the globe and America. My guest today, as I mentioned, is Dr. Lehman Yen. And today, we're going to focus on Chapter 5 of China's Unrestricted Warfare. To me, this chapter speaks to a couple of specific areas that I detail in my book. A key problem is that our intelligence community and the Department of Defense remain solely focused on kinetics when the real war has been and always will be cognitive. The second aspect is that we discuss about this chapter is technology is not the problem. It's defining the problem. Before I bring in Dr. Yen, let's remind our listeners as to why this topic is so critical to pay attention to and why China is such a threat to our national security, far more than I think our leadership is aware or actually paying attention to. What China is preparing to do or has already done is to remove the United States as an obstacle to world domination. This is not a tactical discussion, but a strategic discussion, as their advances in cognitive domain have been subtle to stark, hidden to in-your-face, and having impacts on our children who are president, the Manchurian president, Biden, who I believe is a compromised president. Besides the obvious compromise from shady business dealings, in which his family and son have received millions of dollars, we need only listen to Biden's statement on China, where he said recently, quote, we're not looking to hurt China sincerely, unquote. We're all better off if China does well. Really? Really? This is a genocidal communist dictatorship that harvests his organs from live innocence and steals trillions of dollars of our research and development from us and has now murdered over 1.3 million Americans from COVID, or AKA the China flu, and also from fentanyl. Do I really need to say more about that? I mean, why, why is he not so concerned? Why is he not looking to deconflict, and, and as he's looking basically only to deconflict and continue the cooperation? But would we continue that type of cooperation with Adolf Hitler? I don't think so. China has totally dismissed our Secretaries of State, Blinken Blinken, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who can't stop bowing, and Special Envoy for Climate, the stooge John Kerry. All three went there and left with hat in hand. Each week, our listeners join us here to discuss varied strategic perspectives, analysis, and assessments on the ongoing cognitive war. I've detailed, I've detailed the background and definition of this war, its underlying theory and how we should be conducting operations and lay out several seminal solutions to enable us to compete and win in this war in my just published book, The Cognitive War, Why We Are Losing and How We Can Win, available on Amazon. We see this war being conducted every day, but few realize it is a planned and coordinated effort. Dr. Yen and I have watched in confusion, watched the confusion, we've watched the chaos, and we watched the terror here, not only on our streets in America, 
because ad adversaries like Russia and China continually outmaneuver us. And so we try to bring an awareness of what's going on to our audience because all we do is react, react, react. And they lead us by our noses to a future they, the CCP, is defining. As Dr. Yen and I collaborate in defeating this dystopian Communist Party, we look at their coordinated strategy as a use of various ways, ideology, religion, or issues, and a litany of independent and specific means, education, military, economic, and other, to undermine, subvert, and destroy our freedoms, our independence, and to replace them with tyranny and subjugation. As part of these discussions, we've been focusing on dissecting their playbook, Unrestricted Warfare, written in 1999, almost a quarter century ago. So today, Dr. Yan and I will discuss part two of Unrestricted Warfare, as they title it, A Discussion of New Methods of Operation, and specifically Chapter 5, New Methodology of War Games. Before I begin, Dr. Li Mian Yan is a medical doctor, for those who have not been introduced to before. He's a PhD virologist and independent coronavirus expert. He was educated at the top two medical schools in China, the Southern Medical University and Central South University. He also has a postdoctorate fellow in the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. He has a weekly broadcast on Saturday and Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, the voice of Dr. Yen here on AmericaOutloud.news. And you need to listen to that. And you need to go back if you haven't listened to her prior episodes, because they're eye-opening. She and I regularly have and collaborate here also on the NASA Security Hour to raise awareness of cognitive warfare, China's version of unrestricted warfare. Today, we're going to discuss three areas. How does unrestricted warfare use a multiplicity of functions to constantly change the field of battle? What stage of warfare comes after the military technical revolution? And why is it the sword, or aka the kinetics, is no longer sufficient to deal with NASA security? Dr. Yen, as we open this chapter, we find a quote from Sun Tzu, which says, Therefore, soldiers do not have a constant position. Water does not have a constant shape. And to be able to obtain victory in response to the changes of the enemy is called miraculous. So how does unrestricted warfare, from your perspective, use a multiplicity of functions to constantly change the field of battle. So, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, when we talk about the main idea of unrestricted warfare, it is actually very flexible uh, out of the rule, uh, not get restricted by rule of laws, and also, very importantly, as it explained in this book, they talk about the combination of the anything available, anything can be weaponized from the uh, traditional weapon to the things we use in the daily life and even to human's mind. And also the more important thing is when you need to apply all this together, you combine all that together, you have to forget that you are facing to human beings. So, so the thing is how bloody, how cruel, how unethical, it doesn't matter. The thing is we want to achieve the goal. So if they want to achieve the goal and they can using their own citizens at cost, 
They can sacrifice like half of their citizens and they can sacrifice half China as Chairman Mao have mentioned to just to beat the United States. So this is their thinking. Do it just to achieve your goal. And it, it isn't like the competition, but it is really a competition uh, with the anti-human thinking. So as long as you can win, then that's the point. So yeah, that's very good because the sacrifice is, is it, the sacrifice of humans is essential for them to maintain the power base, as yes. you're pointing out. And so what, what I found really interesting in this book as I'm going through each chapter with you is from an analytical perspective, I'm fascinated that these two colonels who apparently also visited the United States and took part in the military military relations, okay, how much they absorbed, how much they learned, and then through the research, how much they actually analyzed very effectively what U.S. and other elements are doing and how we've been successful. But then flipping that completely to show here's the new pathway for how China and unrestricted warfare can be successful and completely outmaneuver the U.S. But that requires a wholly different cultural perspective and a mindset. And so from your, your understanding and from your background and culture and Chinese, how is it you think the Chinese People Liberation Army was able to adjust to this kind of thinking? And because it is dramatically different than traditional, right? Just like in the U.S. So the thing is, this theory is not uh, renovated by the two colonel at the end of 1990s. Yes, they learned a lot from U.S. military series because they are the military series in the People's Liberation Army. However, what they have done is, one hand, they bring people, learn from the United States, and say, oh, this is the advanced part. This is what US people are thinking. And on the other hand, they just summarize, collect the previous experience and this kind of military thinking and uh, philosophies from Chinese culture, from Mao period, and combined with Lenin East and Marxism, uh, all, all together, they just make them into a book. They put it all together, and then they further confirmed, yes, to compete the countries like United States, then CCP style, the unrestricted style, can work very well. And so this is actually based on their experience, based on the style they already have to develop it, to let it more adapted, adopted to the modern situation uh, in the uh, in front of the United States and the US, Western allies. So the thing is, when you see this book, what they have discussed have many of these kind of principles have been already applied by CCP against the US. And also after that, they just keep doing it because the oh, okay, now we have a book, we have the theory now, we know, yeah, it really works. And the, what they talk in this book, it's just a very tiny part, like the iceberg, you only see a little tiny part uh, out of the sea, right? The yes. most majority of their strategic tactic, because it's too evil, 
they cannot write it out. So this can help people understand it. But if you think this is the Bible for CCP and this is all the things they are talking about, then that's too naive. No, no, that's a great point because you're absolutely right because you can't capture and nor would the enemy want to reveal their fuller strategy. Right? So they have a multifaceted strategy, which from my perspective has been very, very effective. So I have to ask you, you know, you've, you've fled Hong Kong, you fled China and came here at great risk to help inform people what was happening. When was it was, when was it that you first, because I haven't asked this before this, when was it that you first became aware of, of this book, Unrestricted Warfare? Was it while you were still within China or was it after you had left? I think it started from the days I started to investigate the, uh, the COVID-19 truth. Because the more I studied it, I mean, from the last day of 2019, I realized that, okay, so this is according to the scientific evidence. It is uh, not, come. it's not from the nature and it's not from the bad. It comes from the lab. And then also I, I know how these people works in a military civil fusion style, how CCP dominantly control everything. I mean, totally control everything. So the thing is, this is not a civil lab uh, work. And if they can make it like this, it is an effort from uh, combined military and civil and plus the uh, government, the, the national power, right? And so, uh, yeah. When you read more about this, you learn more about that. You realize, aha, uh -huh, this pointed to the, and because you see the role of the People's Liberation Army inside, and you know their previous tracks, and you, you see what they have done, what they're going to do, then this tells you it is the bioweapon project. And then after that, I see the, because they immediately start to uh, launch those kind of propaganda to change your um, cognition, to do the, information war. So this make it uh, escalated to the unrestricted level. Initially, it is just cover up outbreak in China, right? Before everyone fully understand it. And especially since January, you see, it that goes to the WHO help cover up and China's propaganda and the scientists start to uh, provide the fake evidence. All like that, this is very typical unrestricted tactics for me. Yes. Initially, I can see through this, but I need to understand how could they do this? Well, why can they do it so quickly, so efficiently? Why it works well, I mean, for the public and for the foreign governments. So little by little study it, and then I finally go to the theory of unrestricted warfare. And for me, I'm Chinese. So these concepts, many of them, they wrote in the book, no, it's not uh, strange for me. I mean, I have heard about that, read about it in various uh, books or different sort from different sources. So this is just a way to let you uh, let me know. Okay, so finally, this is a kind of a fundamental book to uh, summarize all these kind of theories. And that's why later when I wrote my Yen reports with my team, I defined the uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 virus as unrestricted bioweapon because 
it's not that perfect as a traditional bioweapon. It doesn't work as a traditional bioweapon. It doesn't even fit the traditional bioweapon concept. However, if you apply it to the unrestricted warfare, this is unrestricted bioweapon as what they described in different books, and it works when they combine a lot of unrestricted tactics. No, that's a great point. We got about a minute left here, but what I find fascinating from the discussion here is their application of this virus and deployment of this virus, it got out of control. So they didn't, they, just like the submarine incident we've talked about, they have mistakes, they have accident. But the point she made up front, they care not because the loss of human life is secondary. It's the broader application. But in this broader application, what's very interesting to me is they've now murdered over several million people across the globe. But yet relations go on as if nothing's happened. It's and so their their propaganda campaign and everything else has been very effective. So when I come back with with from break with Dr. Yan, we're going to continue this discussion here. But make sure that all of our shows go to podcasts, typically a day after broadcast is heard here on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcasts, and many more. And like I said, Dr. Yen, the voice of Dr. Yen, that's also out there on America.loud.news. You ought to listen to it. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the SIA Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. back to the National Security Hour. On with me again is Dr. Li Min Yen as we discuss unrestricted warfare, chapter five, new methodologies of warfare with her. And so where we left off, we were talking about the CCP and their, the two colonels and the application of this. But 
The follow-on question I would have, Dr. Yen, is there's a very conformist nature in the CCP. You know, you have to follow the script. So how is it, from your perspective, these two kernels were able to grasp the fundamental change in the nature of warfare? Well, here in the United States, my experience throughout multiple departments and the Defense Department, Intelligence Committee, most people still have not grasped this overall change. What's your perspective on that? Thank you, sir. So first, this kernel, they are trained on their CCP's doctrines. And then they, they know what people's migration armies are doing and they know what CCP is thinking. So that's why they can uh, learn this U.S. Uh, thinking and learn this kind of foreign ideas and combine it, make it very adopted into CCP's military theory. So this, yeah, when we talk about people's migration army or CCP, uh, it, it's easy for people to believe that this is a conformist regime and it do everything in a very rigid way. Yes, for us, we really think it looks very stupid, especially when we see how they lie, how they behave, how they, I mean, this is very low level deception, especially when you understand they are cheating you. However, for CCP's perspective, it doesn't matter. What matters is it is uh, still a legal nation. So it has the national power and it has enough resources, including people. So what they can do is they always apply this kind of unrestricted tactics, uh, even as we said before they have this book and they keep doing it, developing it and make it evolving like the virus like, uh, like gets a variance, right? Yes. So they just keep doing it. And the thing is, yeah, CCP is kind of um, formist in certain ways. However, in the create, creation of the evil methods, they are never conformist. They are very creative. I mean, I, I always tell my friends that America has freedom, right? You, you encourage people to develop uh, high technology, art, thinking, and you, you, your constitution guarantees the rights. Back to China, we are suppressed for most of the things. However, if you try to develop the evil ways, the anti-human ways, especially these ways can be used to help CCP to enforce their, uh, uh, to enhance their forces, enhance the yes. stability, the rulings. Yeah, this is encouraged and this is promoted. So the more you read about their, whatever, military theory, political theory, and also uh, propaganda, all these things, you, you will realize this kind of creative is the only freedom CCP allow their people to have. So that's why it's kind of you are you are watching that the killers are competing with each other to develop the best way to kill others, to kill more. So this kind of military theory is just one example. So that's very interesting because that's a great point you make for the listeners and for myself is that, yeah, I just like in the old Soviet Union, there was a large number of people indoctrinated. 
You follow the intercommon turn, the Communist International. You follow the internal party policies and such. But there was a great deal of flexibility within science, within the capitalist system, for example, in China, and other stuff to expand the Chinese power and base. And so what comes to mind in this is, is Jack Ma, right? Jack Ma has, has found out, I think now three or four times that he has limits to what he can do, right? Chinese billionaire, he goes out, makes a lot of money, but then he goes and becomes too popular. And then he's silenced and he's brought back in and he's told to sit down, shut up and color. And then he's lit back out again. And so the same same approach, I would assume, is happening within the military is to your point. It's the reward system. If you're rewarding these people for coming up with things that advance the party, that advance the power, they're incentivized for that and money, financial and other and, and promotions. But if you go off script, as you said, with the power of the state, they can quickly squash you. And in many cases, they just take you off the earth, as you said, because there's no no qualm about uh, removing human beings. So as I read through this chapter, what was striking is that there was, this was written about 25 years ago. And these two colonels at the time understood what our IC and DOD, as I mentioned today, still fail to realize that technology is not the solution, but that it's another, it's another stage. It's another phase that has taken over. For example, they write, observing considering and resolving problems from the point of view of technology is typical American thinking. And this is when we, you and I've talked before, I've talked about us chasing the shiny objects, right? We want to chase the toys, chase the shiny objects. They go on to say its advantages and disadvantages are both very apparent, just like the characters of Americans. This type of idea, which equates to te the technology revolution with the military revolution was displayed during the Gulf War which is what they studied in this book. They go on to say, it cannot be denied that the military technology revolution is the cornerstone of the military revolution. But then they go on to say, yet it is unable to be viewed as the entirety of the military revolution, for it is at best a first step of this wild whirlwind entering the course. If the military revolution technology is called the first stage, then we are now essentially important in entering the important second stage of this revolution. And so given that, what is your perspective on their view of the stage of warfare that comes after the military technical revolution, this second stage? Uh, so before we, I answer this, I want to add this uh, little bit uh, idea about the Jack Ma when you talk about him. Okay, so, yeah, please do, yes. Jack Ma, people like Jack Ma never only a civil uh, businessman and his success cannot be the true, become true without the national power. So this kind of businessman, they are just uh, the people CCP put on stage to get more infiltration, communication and influence towards America and the, the world. So people like Jack Ma, the point that they can be so successful, so shining on the stage, it's because they are CCP's agent and they are the very top agents in business level. They, uh, some of them definitely, I mean, these people are uh, belong to the United Front Works. They work with the United Front Works department and 
most of this kind of high level people, they could be the international, the agent trained. It's like the KGB, yeah. this kind of people. They, they do the things looks like legal, but they help yes. contribute to the international influence. So when it when he get punished, it's not because only because he is too powerful, too influential. Most important is he is not useful now in political field or maybe in other fields. So now he is useless, throw him away. And he is always deeply controlled by CCP. He can never talk like us. He can never speak out because they have CCP's rules to, they can eliminate these guys in various ways. And when we talk about the second stage of the- uh, One second. What, one second yeah. there. So let's let's stick with Jack Ma for a second because you're raising some really critical points here. Because Americans were infatuated. A number of Americans were infatuated with the Chinese billionaire. But as you point out, it's all a front. He's an actor. He's part of their stage propaganda and misinformation. Okay. And this is where Americans don't realize that mm -hmm. his efforts are mirrored by so many across the academic, the economic, the research and development, science field, and others. Everyone comes with glowing credentials, glowing smiles, all friendly and such. But every one of those is a CCP agent who has a specific agenda to it. And this is all part of, as the colonel's right, of this unrestricted warfare. So let's go back to the question on the, on the second, the second uh, stage of this revolution and your thoughts on that. Sure, sir. So when we talk about the kinetic war or the development of high technology, first, I think America should keep develop your high technology because this can guarantee you as a leading your leading position in the world. And uh, this is definitely a good intimidation for the evil regimes. However, you should not only focus on that. As you always mentioned, this is a balance, right? And also for Chinese uh, Communist Party's perspective, what they have learned is, you see the colonels studied your uh, document, your theory, your cases, and they realized one hand, CCP is far, I mean, uh, far away from catching you on the high technology level. They steal and they, they try to cheat, but it still has a huge distance in this level. But what they can do is they are looking for your loopholes, your weakness. And your weakness is your technology going so fast, so quickly, and your military thinking cannot catch it up. So that means you have a new toy, but you don't know how to well use it. and. Uh, how to combine it with the previous toys, <laughs> weapons, I mean. And so yes. for this level, and it takes time for you to develop your new thinking because Americans working in a more uh, strategic and also scientific way, you need to do tests and you need to go back, discuss, you need to collect data. CCP doesn't need it. So their advantage uh, in front of the situation is they are very flexible. They can use the low level, low technology to just find out your weakness and then just uh, create a lot of channels or uh, develop the tactics to focusing on your weakness. For example, you see they have mentioned 
doesn't mean only high technology can win. Low technology, if you can apply it well, combined with people, combined with sacrifice, forget all the rule of laws, then they have a lot of opportunities. And also very important thing is China never have rule of laws. So CCP is not good at playing the games under rule of laws. So they, they have yes. to break through the laws. Very interesting because as you said, when I read the book and I take a look at the practices here, part of the great deception that China, in my mind, and she approaching right now, is this potential warfare with Taiwan, an invasion of Taiwan. Because the bulk of Chinese military is focused on maintaining control of their people, right? If they were to get into a war, not only would the economic system be in peril and collapse, but also then all the people watching the citizens would then have to be transferred to another cause. And so to me, this is part of the great deception, part of their unrestricted warfare efforts is this continued to look like we're going to do a, a specific attack on Taiwan kinetically and invade, right? Yet our Department of Defense and intelligence community remain almost solely focused on that. You know, are we going to do a land invasion of China? I don't think so, right? Right? Are we going to, can we arm Taiwan to help them make it a, as a, a one uh, famous old saying, the poison prawn, okay, give them, Guerrilla warfare tactics, give them guerrilla warfare capabilities. That's a good potential. But what they're doing is they're forcing us from a deception standpoint, in my mind, to expend a great deal of time and effort building our forces and looking at how we can have and win a kinetic battle with them in the South China Sea or against Chi Taiwan. This is a great information deception here because at the same time then, as you mentioned, is they're going behind the scenes and they're using low-tech methods to subvert our institutions, our governance, our people, and steal that technology for free. I mean, how many different agents have we seen come in stealing technology and taking it back, right? And so it's a very effective campaign they have that, that is very concerning to me. And so one of the things that we have about the three minutes left here before the next break, but our U.S. military and intelligence community and the others continue to focus much on the technology, okay? And you've seen that probably since your arrival here. What observations would you make to help us understand why Americans seem so glued to the shiny objects and so miserable at failing to understand this unrestricted warfare? One thing I think uh, is because of the system. I mean, in this system, in your current system, the rewards mechanism and other promoting way, other ways they reveal this kind of intelligence analysis cannot, uh, I mean, evolve as how CCP did. Because you, you, you use your previous thinking, you how you win the World War II, and then you win the Gulf War, and they say, okay, we have a lot of successful experience, and so these are the ways we should apply. So during that period until now, CCP has catch up with you and also develop another very creative way, I mean, also very evil, 
and then they can use and also they study your mechanism a system they know how your people will behave facing to certain information and they have yes. like implanted the agents to mislead you and also they have the money to uh influence people outside and lobby and they have the propaganda machine create misinformation and also your people learn Chinese culture from the books from the professors from those kind of many other dissidents I mean they said they, they are anti-CCP they came to US however those people still I can tell you majority of them can be influenced even controlled by CCP so the yep. things you learn from from the beginning can be wrong how could you get the right understanding of china well so very interesting and as we go to break here what you're raising here is a lot about what i write in my book is our we're stuck in the industrial age with industrial age thinking world war ii age thinking china has moved into the information age in spades and our reward system our reward system doesn't reward benefiting the enterprise. It rewards, again, as I mentioned before, maintaining control of power, people, money, and dollars. And so it's a very interesting discussion here. As we come back, we're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Yen. But you can listen to all our shows here on the NASA Security Hour. They play seven days a week at 7 p.m. Eastern on the America Outlawed Talk Radio Network. Dr. Yen is the voice of Dr. Yen, plays Saturday and Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. All can be heard on iHeartRadio Network and world-class media players. Remember to go to AmericaOutloud.news, AmericaOutloud.news. We'll be right back. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back to the NASA Security Hour. I'm your host, Ted Hugland, this evening, and on with me is Dr. Li Min Yen, as we discuss Chapter 5 of Unrestricted Warfare. 
So as we've gone through this fascinating discussion from my perspective, because my, my background, I've focused, as I was talking with Dr. Yen in the break, is that mostly on the old Soviet Union and Russia, Eastern Europe. And so moving my thought process to China, I'm learning a whole lot from Dr. Yen, and I hope our audiences as well. Okay, so listen and learn. So one of the interesting things here is, as we talk with her, is about her understanding and cultural perspective. It's critical for people to understand this cultural perspective. Now, why is that? Because in the cognitive warfare, to effectively communicate, compete, you have to understand the cultural aspects of a society, the regionally specific cultural aspects, but also the semantics, the linguistics, the anthropological aspects, okay, and fully map the information environment to understand the connections and the flow of information. Because in the end, in the cognitive warfare, it's the control, manipulation, and flow of information that is the most critical. And when you take a look at unrestricted warfare and the, and the, the approach that China is taking to this, it's absolutely fascinating, but yet at the same time terrifying because they're extremely effective in what they're doing here in the deception and the leveraging the naivete of our leaders and our, and our military leaders and our national security leaders. So Dr. Yen, is this a cultural thing in that Americans are so focused on the here and now, the next few days, that we forego this deeper analysis and strategic assessment that I'm seeing from these two colonels? Uh, I think it's culture because America is founded based on Bible, based on constitution, and the people know the importance, value the human rights, value democracy, and value the freedom. So that's why you won't have this kind of thinking that, oh, we can do it like that, like the beast, right? Just to hurt people, just to feed yourself. Most, I mean, majority of Americans, they cannot even accept this kind of ideas because this is too bloody. I mean, I see people, they, they, they talk about such what, for example, one murder, how the parents kill the kid. And then they say, oh, how could it happen? Oh, I, my, broke, uh, my heart broke like that. This is already shocking for the public. However, back to China, you should know that China has, I mean, for thousands of years, the, the thing they develop is a worship to the power. And it, it doesn't have this kind of humanity education. It is I mean, it is just whatever things they develop is to serve the emperor's family, to help the emperor to maintain the power. People, people are just the tools and people have levels, hierarchy. Lower people, they are, I mean, even not see, even not seeable. They are, they are just invisible. So their life yeah. never cares. And when we talk about the caving, when we talk about sacrifice people, even this can be some positive propaganda in Chinese uh, history or CCP's uh, propaganda. So for example, in the North Korea war, China deployed, uh, deployed 100,000 soldiers, pretend they are the civil volunteers and go to Changjin Lake. And then finally, like American lost 
2,000 or 4,000 soldiers, and China lost all the 100,000 soldiers. But China believed they won it because they believe American army fell fierce in front of these dead people because they're like zombies overnight, all the dead bodies, hundreds, thousands everywhere. So this hit the moral of American army and this turned the situation of North Korea. So even until now, Xi Jinping put it to the top spirit of CCP's history to educate people. And in this way, you, uh, you Americans and Chinese totally accept a different kind of education. So your thinking is different. I don't think this is a bad side of Americans. I would say no one wants to get such education like what CCP gave you. And we are yeah. very, for very pity to get it. But somehow now, because you realize CCP is your enemy and CCP want to kill you, overcome your, um, take over your country. So you have to think about how to understand them better. It's like you're hunting the, the tigers eating you. You cannot say, yeah. hey, let's negotiate, let's play the law. Yes, no, but you're absolutely right. So what's, what's fascinating here is that in America, uh, people who live here, very few travel outside. Of America to other countries. Americans, in my opinion, fail to realize they are the most privileged people by birth and citizenship in terms of what we're given at birth here, the freedoms, the constitution and such. But with that, we also forget to take a look at the real world and how evil it can be, how cruel it can be. And to your point, I've written about this before, is people have to believe what they see. When you see a regime murder 7 million people and not care, when you see a regime recently in, in I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was uh, Beijing or wherever, they released the damn floodwaters and flooded tens of thousands of innocents. They didn't care how many people died. It was to save Beijing. It was to save the Beijing from floods. If I got the location right, uh, yeah. if I got it wrong, I'm sorry, but... It goes to the level, as Dr. Yen is talking about, of their willingness to sacrifice. When you sacrifice 100,000 people in the North Korean War to make a point, it says something okay, about their tactics and how they view things, as Dr. Yen is saying. So what she and I are trying to bring to our listeners here is to help you be aware of really what's happening, how dangerous the situation is, because... I'll go digress from our, our focus this morning here a little bit for a second is we have 10,000 to 40,000 military age men who've now come into the America from China. Uh, Michael Yan, who's also been on this network, has reported on this numerous times. They have set up a specific base camp throughout South America to facilitate the ingress of thousands of military-aged Chinese men into the United States. They also then bring them, once they get here, they quickly get them their licenses and other aspects and get them armed with weapons and weapons training. Now think of this. We're purposely leading in, this Manchurian president's purposely leading in this army of Chinese men, probably special operations type of folks, and they're coming in and they're getting arms because we have laws in the country that people in the Second Amendment. 
But these are illegals and they're coming here, arming themselves and they're sending up base camps within the United States. But do you hear about this across our news media? Is anybody warning or sending a flag? So this is part of the incredible deception and the, the use of America's culture and build, inability to focus on specific things undermine where we're going here. So I'll go, go back on track here. Just, let me, before I do that, any comments on that, Dr. Yun? So this is how China, I mean, this is exactly what we are talking about on the chapter five of the unrestricted warfare that you don't know where your enemy is. You don't know who they are. And you have the, uh, the high technology to uh, have the best asana in the world, but you don't know how to use it. The thing is, I mean, China had your state of department hacked the 60,000 email, right? So this is uh, organized by the government hacking operation. Will you claim the war against China? I haven't seen that. And China has spread the COVID-19 from their labs. And yeah, it has problems, but it works very well to kill millions of people. And uh, Mark's economy going down, a lot of chaos. And did you clear the wall? No, you are still arguing. Let's have to come from nature. What happened to Fauci, right? And when not, when not they, they using the, um, the, the so-called anti-CCP uh, pro-people cross the border, right? They create a political correctness, as I explained with yeah. you, that these people claim they all want to go to U.S. pursue freedom, then you welcome them. And then China send this toy house, right? Send all these yes. kind of military trained people here and then to operate when China gives them orders. And will you consider it as an invasion and use your military to stop it? I haven't seen that. The thing is, you have the best military and arsenal, but China use unrestricted warfare to suppress you, neutralize you, and your government, I mean, most of people, not only your current government, I see a lot of people are talking about, we should talk with China, negotiate. So this is appeasement. So when we talk about whether U.S. should confront China, yes. whether, uh, I mean, Taiwan is, China will occupy Taiwan. I mean, it doesn't matter. You should re remember their final goal is to get U.S. If they can win from Ukraine war, you know, when you stop supporting Ukraine and China and Russia go from go through Ukraine to the uh, Europe and to isolate yes. you, they can do it. If not, they will go from the east side, from Asian side, from Pacific Ocean side, and then isolate you, weaken you. And all they can directly go to your country to conduct the yes. operation. This is combination of unrestricted warfare. Yeah, exactly. And so from reading from the book, reading from the book, they, they say here is that any direction, measure, or person always possibly become a potential threat to the security of a nation. Let me repeat that. Any direction, measure, or person always possibly becomes a potential threat to the security of a nation. It's very difficult for one to be clear about the direction from which the threat is coming. And this is what Dr. Yen is talking about. For a long time, they say both military people and politicians have been accustomed to employing a certain mode of thinking. 
That is, the major factor posing a threat to national security is military power. And this is what I write about my book and Dr. Yen and I talk about. We have an inordinate and, and an unhealthy focus on kinetics. But what they say, though, is the wars and major incidents which have occurred during the last 20 years, the 20th centuries, have provided us in of composed fashion proof that the opposite is true. Military threats are already often no longer the major factors affecting NASA security. So when I take a look at what they're doing with the invasion across our border here, and for our listeners, just think about the Summer of Love riots in 2020 and think how much chaos that caused across the United States. Now think about our military is deployed mostly overseas and we have National Guard here. But let's look at the train derailment, train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. It was a chaos. It was a chaos to respond to that. So you, if you take 10 to 40,000 military men and you disperse them across the United States and they just started to start to take off and just start shooting people, blow up things or sabotage things. This would cause massive chaos throughout the United States. We'd have to declare martial law. And to Dr. Yen's point, from that kind of standpoint, it causes much different impacts to the financial markets and other things. And so then China doesn't have to attack. There are many ways, the point here, there are many ways for them to attack us in these fashions here. And for us to do attribution on them would be almost impossible. But let me touch on one other point before we, we we close out here today is that they say this this effort compromises a new pattern which threatens the political, economic, and military security of our nations. The destruction which they do in these areas are attacked are absolutely not secondary to military wars. And this I found fascinating. In this area, they say we only need to mention the name of lunatics such as George Soros, bin Laden, Pablo Escobar. Okay, I found that reference fascinating because here's 25 years ago, they realized that George Soros was doing his own version of unrestricted warfare and, and, and having massive impact here. And so they go on to say, yet they can be completely viewed as equal to warfare actions, which they're completely right. So Dr. Yen, what are your thoughts in terms of, we got about uh, three minutes left here. We, this is a fascinating discussion. What, what are your closing thoughts here in terms of you and your network, this constant collaboration you folks are doing to try to disrupt the CCP? And what can Americans and others do or think about to help not only what you're trying to do, but what we're trying to convey here on this program? The first one, when we talk about the mentioned Soros and Bin Laden in that section, did you see that they said all the combination of these people as a kind of the, they call the whole card. That means CCP will combine all the skills and the experience from these people and using the national power to enforce it. And CCP, so that means CCP is totally beyond the terrorism. And yes. when we talk about how we can confront CCP, I mean, me and my friend, Mr. Luda, through his Luda media, what we have done is to reveal the truth with a lot of help from those very brief Chinese sources in China. And what we started from uh, COVID-19 choose, which means 
CCP feel really nervous and has to change their uh, tactics and has to move around and that will leave us more evidence to show, oh yeah, this is their, I mean, they have done this, this is the evidence, right? So altogether, we have developed our ways because we understand CCP, we understand the culture, and uh, plus we have the real information inside. We know how to nail it. We, we, I mean, we can spread truth. We let people to know what real happened in China. And yes. what CCP can do is they are actually the paper tiger. They cannot comp uh, compete with uh, America and other Western countries in the high technology level. So what their best uh, weapon is deception. All the thing is lying. And when you reveal it, it's just like you you remove the cockroach, the, the nest. Yes. So the cockroaches are, very, cockroaches are very nervous spread and they cannot harm you after that, right? So yes. remove, remove their uh, disguise to show their true color. That is the most powerful thing. However, how could you do that? You have to remove the misinformation. You have to understand how they do the cognitive interference to manipulate you. And that's why we need to learn the uh, cognitive warfare and learn how CCP do that. And then you can find out the countermeasures. So Dr. Yen, you know, it's really always a pleasure dealing with you here on these subjects here. And for our listeners who don't really understand, Dr. Yen fled and continues to hide to protect her life. And if you take a look at her website in the voice of Dr. Yen, you'll see there's a number of court cases, lawfare that China undertook to try to find her and still to take her out. So she's risking her life bringing you this insight. So Dr. Yen, it's always an incredible, interesting and insightful time talking with you and discussing China's unrestricted warfare. I'm here in the NASA Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.